BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey friend, real quick before we get into today's episode. If you enjoy Infertility and Me podcast, do me a quick, quick favor and rate and review in Apple iTunes. Give us five stars so that we can reach more friends who may be silently suffering from infertility too. Welcome to Infertility and Me podcast, a show that amplifies diverse stories about the struggles of infertility and fertility in a safe space. Our goal is to normalize fertility stories that validate, give hope, and create a community where no one is left silently suffering. Well, thank you, dear, for coming on to the show and uh, speaking to us about your story and journey to motherhood, um, especially being an older mom. I'm not going to use the other term. I don't like that. (laughs) The medical term. Yes, I hate it with a passion, okay? So ridiculous. But thank you, dear, again, for coming on the show and offering your story to others to encourage because there's a lot of women out there like that now in that age range trying to conceive and... Holding on the whole baby. (laughs) It's so important. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Um, It's so important. Representation is so important. And hearing other people's stories really does help. Yeah, it definitely does. And, um, you know, with infertility, it could be so heavy. And so I I try to keep the show as lighthearted as I can. But, you know, it is what it is, you know. So let me start with an icebreaker question that I normally ask everyone. And it's how did you meet your spouse? How did you meet hubby? Uh, My husband and I met in a bar. (laughs) Yes. Very Mm. old fashioned. We met in a bar. (laughs) I guess that's old fashioned. I don't know. Um, I don't know what the kids do these days. But um, we had uh, we were kind of in two circles of friends that were joining mm-hmm. together. Um, okay. So we met at a bar and were friends for a little over a year. He had a girlfriend. I had a boyfriend at the time. Um, we were friends for a little over a year. And then uh, we had both broken up with our other significant others. And <laughs> our friends were like, oh, you and Sean, you're going to get together. And I was like, no way. And then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. here we are, married six years. <laughs> <laughs> Prove them wrong. <laughs> Prove them freaking wrong. Yes. And so what what kind of person would you describe yourself as? Like an optimist, a worrier, 
I would all of say that in between. I'm a pretty, I'm a realist. Um, I okay. am pretty emotional, um, but I am a realist. Um, I think that the process that we've been through with infertility has changed that some. Um, although I think also having a supportive husband, he's very um, grounded. Mm. So he's mm. kind of um, helped me to just to, to slow down a little bit and to not worry so much. Although again, through the process, I've gained a lot of anxieties, but, um, yeah, yeah. he's been a great grounding force for me. And so how, how long were you guys married before you started trying to conceive for your, your toddler that you have now? Um, oh gosh, it wasn't, uh, it was a little over a year. Um, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. they say you should discuss children before you get married. We didn't really discuss it that much. Really? Uh, we did not. Um, I had never really pictured myself having children, to be totally honest. Um, okay. But I was, I don't even know how I saw it, but I was watching this thing called Wednesday's Child, um, mm. which is a program for foster to adopt or adoptions. And it was a young girl who was on, she was maybe like 15 years old. And, you know, she looked a lot like me. I'm I'm mixed race, I'm biracial. Um, uh, My mom is African-American and my dad is Caucasian. And um, she looked a lot like me. And there was just something about her that really spoke to my heart. Um, Mm -hmm. She said, at the end, they asked her what kind of family she wanted. And she said, I don't care. I just want somebody to care about me. And that just really sent me over the edge. So yeah. I just, I said to my husband, I was like, this is something I really want to do. I want, I want her. I, I feel mm. that she's going to be a part of our family. Um, so he said with, I mean, no hesitation, let's do it. So yeah. I had called her caseworker. They said, oh, this is all the stuff you have to go through. We can't like put her on hold while you're doing the training um, and the certification gotcha. process. Gotcha. So um, we went through the certification process I called her caseworker back when we graduated and he said that she was already on hold. So I'm very happy that she found a family. Um, But it was really devastating for me. Um, For sure, for sure. So my husband said, let's try to have a baby. Mm. (laughs) And I hadn't ever really (laughs) thought about it. So I said, yeah, Mm. let's try to have a baby. So how did you how did you feel about that when he when he expressed his his want, I should say his desire for fatherhood and to do it with you? Um, it surprised me a little just because we hadn't ever really talked about it. Um, neither of our none of our siblings have kids, um, okay. or at the time they didn't. <laughs> My little brother has since done that, but um, yeah, it was a little surprising. But I felt like okay, maybe this is you know this is the path we're supposed to be on. Um, mm-hmm. I knew ahead of time going in that we might have some difficulties. My mom is an OBGYN. Um, okay. So I knew that fertility uh, starts to drop off after 35. Um, and at that time... How old were you at this point? 37. Okay. okay. Um, I had had a pregnancy once when I was a teenager um, okay. that ended itself. So um, it okay. ended in a miscarriage. So um, I didn't really think that I would have any problems other than maybe we would need like a little assistance with maybe mm-hmm, Clomid mm-hmm. or Letrozole, something like that. I mm-hmm. never imagined <laughs> what right, was going right. to happen. 
ahead, yeah, which what lie ahead, right? But that's what they always say, what lies ahead, yeah. Wow, 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 wow. So what did the process look like for you then at this point after you guys said you kind of mingled around with the idea, you talked more, you're thinking about, like, once you start thinking about it, you can't stop thinking about it, right? I mean, I moved really quickly. I knew <laughs> um, that, you know, at my age group, you should try for six months, um, and then if you aren't successful, that you should um, that you should go see a doctor. So originally, I got my IUD taken out. I've had an IUD for eight years. So, <laughs> I mean, two, right? You can't keep them that long. But So I got my IUD taken out. Um, we went on a trip to Iceland the next month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got pregnant in Iceland. That first month after I got the IUD taken Mm -hmm. out, it was crazy. Um, I didn't know that I was pregnant and um, ended up having a missed miscarriage, um, Mm -hmm. which was incredibly shocking. Um, At -hmm. first I thought, oh my gosh, I haven't had a period in a really long time. So I'm having this really crazy, um, heavy period. But then maybe... um, a couple of hours into it, I knew that that wasn't the case. Um, yeah. So I had called my doctor and they said, you know, you can take a test, um, but just to let you know, there's nothing we can do for you. Um, so I think that kind of started the, well, you know, you think to yourself, well, I didn't know if I could get pregnant and now I know, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I had no idea that that was going to be the first of many losses. Um, I got pregnant again really quickly after that. Um, And again, um, another miscarriage. And I have to apologize. I'm probably going to cry. I'm pretty raw. I just had my last miscarriage over Thanksgiving. So Right, right. I was just reading that for your intro. Yeah, for sure. I understand. Um, Take your time. So, yeah, it was those two right in a row. Um, and then I thought, you know, we're probably going to need some help. Yeah. So, um, I went to my doctor, uh, my doctor said everything looked fine. She put me on Clomid. Um, we continued with timed intercourse and ovulation kits and all of that stuff and never got pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, having my mom, (laughs) knowing what I knew, um, I immediately went to um, an REI after that. But that whole process was about a year. Wow. Wow. And so at this point, you were still very sure that you wanted to continue trying to conceive, I guess, obviously, um, because you guys had set up your appointment with your REI and such. And so when you went to the REI specialist, did she have you go through the full workup like, you know, the normal HSG uh, testing and all that. Oh yes, we did everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, at this point, I'm thinking, I'm not thinking all the way down this road, right? I don't think it's really possible okay. to think all the way down the road, right? You, mm-hmm. you start, you don't know what you don't know, and there's a exactly. lot. Even for someone who I thought was really educated about it, there mm-hmm. is a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we started on letrozole. We did. Um, some timed intercourse with Menapur. Um, okay. We were not successful still. Um, mm. My HSG showed um, an abnormal fill on my uterus. Um, mm. So we did an, 
and SIS, the SALI. I'm sorry. Should we go through all the acronyms? Um, oh, no, you're fine. Okay. Okay. So did the saline um, yes. ultrasound. And right. um, we saw that I had two fibroids. Um, what I didn't know at the time was that 70% of African-American women have fibroids. Um, I didn't think, you know, it, one of the fibroids is about four centimeters and was taking up a, uh, almost an entire portion of the wall of my uterus. Um, so my doctor presented me with two options. She said you could get a myomectomy, either robotic mm-hmm. or laparoscopic or, or open. Okay. Um, okay to remove that fibroid or we can try to do a hysteroscopy and just kind of scrape it down as much Mm -hmm. as we can Mm -hmm. to see if that helps. So of course I'm thinking, well, less invasive. I've gotten pregnant before. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So we did that. Um, we, everything looked good after that. We did an IUI. It didn't work. Um, we went back and did another SIS and the fibroid was back. So, I opted for another hysteroscopy <laughs> thinking mm-hmm. again, Hey, this, we, this can work. I know it can work. Um, so we did another one looked good, did another IUI and it did not work. Um, mm-hmm. so then we were kind of faced with, okay, you know, it's probably time to do the surgery. Um, looking back on it, of course I would have done it sooner because again, this takes an entire year, the process. Yeah. Um, so we opted for surgery before we did the surgery. Again, because of my age, I'm now 38 at this point, I think. <laughs> Gosh, it's hard to remember. Um, we went ahead and did stims and did an egg retrieval. Okay. So we got, um, we ended up with three embryos and I had them genetically tested and one came back normal. So we're going to have that one on ice thinking, you know, after the surgery, we were going to do, we were going to do the transfer. transfer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think had I known at that time that um, I think you kind of look at genetic testing as this like benchmark of things aren't going to go wrong. Right. It's Mm -hmm. normal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It gives a lot of hope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Had I realized that there, there, number one, is no guarantee. <laughs> number two, that, um, that a, a genetically normal um, embryo doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to stay, right? That it's mm-hmm. going to either implant mm-hmm. or that you're going to um, take that pregnancy to term. I probably wouldn't have tested, to be totally honest, that time. Okay. Um, but we did. So I had the surgery at the end of 2017, 2018, I think. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And they actually ended up finding that I had seven fibroids. Wow. Um, Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. The largest of those fibroids was seven centimeters. So like the size of a baby's head. Um, Yes. And that was sitting on top of my uterus. So wouldn't have been able to be seen with the, uh, with the ultrasound. Um, I think it was almost two pounds of fibroid that they ended up taking out of me. Um, and my surgeon, bless her, she's amazing. She said she really took her time with putting, uh, with being very careful with the walls of my uterus and the muscle. Right, right. Um, she did a fantastic job, but it took, 
you know, normally it would take three months, they said, they had said in the beginning to heal um, mm-hmm. and for us to be able to do a transfer. It ended up taking six months. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. I know, right? Um, so, girl, my mom had fibroids, so I understand the, like, the devastation of it. And I watched her do it when I was... Uh, I was in my late teens when she had hers removed and she took some time to have them shrunken. You know, she went to see a naturopathic doctor and then um, had them removed to about your size by the time they had gotten shrunken. So she had the laparoscopic surgery. So I empathize with people with fibroids because it is no freaking joke. And it's simple and as easy as the procedure sounds. It's um, It takes a toll on you and it, um, it's just all around devastating, especially when you're talking about your womb, you know, that sacred thing that we cherish so much. And so at this point, you had already had three losses then, including from when you were a younger adult. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so your six months goes by and you're healing and were you still wanting to move forward with IVF transfer? Absolutely. We had a genetically normal uh, embryo. And so I was ready. I was excited. Um, It's funny, you keep these losses in your brain. But I think for me, uh, my coping mechanism was almost to like, put it in a box, right? So Mm -hmm. you have these other losses. And it's in order for your, for my brain and my emotions to keep going and to be happy, mm-hmm. um, I almost just, I didn't really deal with them. I just mm-hmm. put it in a little box in my head and put it off to the side. Um, and I think, of course, that probably wasn't the healthiest approach. Mm-hmm. We ended up um, doing our transfer and um, it's like, the best thing in the world happens. You get the call that mm-hmm. you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. in the next breath, it's, but your numbers are very low. So mm-hmm. we're really cautious mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, second beta, they had dropped. And so you just know that you're not going to keep this pregnancy. And it just, yeah. the whole, the, the box opens back up again, you know, <laughs> like yeah. Um, yeah. all yeah. of those feelings um, kind of come flooding back on you. Uh, and when you, and when, when you describe your feelings coming back and your box opening with each loss that you experienced, is it like a wave of emotion, like including all the, the, the first and then having more on top of it? To me, I imagine it, I've never experienced loss. So I always imagine it like a wave of emotions that overtakes you at different points and periods, uh, when you're feeling most vulnerable. Um, I think so. I think, I, I think grief comes in waves anyway. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to tell. I just think like, I mean, it, I mean, it feels like a bomb goes off inside or for me, it felt like a, a bomb went off inside of me and I just, um, it was like super hard for me to function. You know, yeah. I just, it was hard for my friends to understand who hadn't gone through it. Um, it was hard for my husband to watch and feel like he couldn't do anything about it. Um, so we grieved together, but obviously, like, it's it's always different. It's still a little person. different, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah because you carried it. Yeah. So it was really devastating. I think on top of that, at that time, that one cycle was all we could afford. 
So um, we're paying out of pocket Mm. and it just, it feels like the end, you know, it just feels Mm. like. It feels very final then. Yeah. You know, a friend of mine put it a good way. um, Hope is a hard way to fall. Mm. So all Mm. of my hope was in this one perfect embryo. And then when it didn't work, you know, it was a very hard fall. Yeah. Were you seeking mental health therapy at the time? Um, I actually did. Um, my um, doctor had recommended someone who uh, specialized in fertility. So um, okay. I was speaking with her, um, and that was immensely helpful. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing was through this whole process, we've had a mantra. Um, Sean mm-hmm. has always said, whatever happens, we are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it's mm-hmm. helpful just to know that, like, if it works out, if it doesn't work out, it, we're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get through it yep. together. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not going to have to do it by yourself. And you have um, a strong support system. And so we we ha- we, lo- we lose the, the embryo. Um, it doesn't implant. And did you guys take a bit of a break at this point before moving forward with another uh IVF cycle? We did. It was a forced break because we didn't have um, the money, but then I got um, a new job, which came with a uh, fertility benefit. Mm -hmm. So they had a lifetime benefit of $25,000 and a lifetime medication benefit of $10,000 on top of that. So um, mm, extremely helpful, right? <laughs> Crazy extremely, helpful. Yes. Yes. Um, so we, we, I mean, it was, it felt again, like a sign. Um, I know everybody or not everybody, I won't say that most people get to that <laughs> point, And I know you've talked about it on this podcast. Um, one more time, one more mm-hmm. time, one more Just time, that one more time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, it felt like this was my meant to be one more time. Mm-hmm. So um, we we were able to do another cycle. I got six embryos. We didn't test anything. Um, at the end of the year, we did our transfer, our first transfer of two embryos. Um, and I had had some bleeding in, in the two-week wait. And I thought, oh, gosh, it's happening again. Mm-hmm. Or it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. When, and I, I just told my husband, I said, we're out. It's okay. We'll be okay. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did the beta and it was really good. It was really high. (laughs) Um, so did you, at any point during that time, did you ever think that it was going to be the twins? twins I did not. When you saw how high it was. So how was it, how was it that day you, they told you that it was twins? Um, it's, so I had some bleeding in between when Mm -hmm. I was supposed to go get my, um, ultrasound. It was like a couple days before my ultrasound, um, I had bleeding. And so I was freaking out, you know, all that starts to come back. You think you're losing the babies Mm -hmm. or baby at that time. Um, Mm -hmm. so we did an ultrasound, um, that day. And that Mm -hmm. was when, uh, we found out it was twins. Wow. Wow. So I know you guys were like just shocked and ecstatic at the same time, right? Like you felt like you had double blessing coming to you, right? For all the trouble that you had been through. Yeah. I wouldn't call it one and done, but it kind of felt like mm-hmm. we're done. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. We did it. Mm-hmm. We're done. 
<laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everything was going okay these first couple of weeks being pregnant with the twins and everything? Everything was going fine. Um, both of them were looking good. One was a little bit smaller than the other, but kind of okay. to be expected sometimes with uh, Die Die Twins. So, um, yeah. yeah, at that point we were given, or not, you know, a couple of weeks later after all of our ultrasounds and we had, you know, graduated from our reproductive endocrinologist, mm-hmm. um, we were given something like a 5 to 8% chance of losing them. So very mm. small. Okay, so it's looking really good and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we got to uh, my OBGYN, uh, we did an ultrasound, and the uh, sonographer said, "Oh, the baby's looking good." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Baby, because there's two. Mm-hmm. And she said, mm-hmm. "I don't, I don't see a second one." Mm. So then we had to do a, a vaginal ultrasound, and she said, oh, here's the other baby. There is no heartbeat. Mm, wow. So, I mean, it, again, it was just this incredible high, um, and, you know, it's mere seconds for this incredible low. Um, and again, I, I think... I, I kind of went into shock a little bit, but also my brain got that box back out mm-hmm. and put that, put that baby in that box because um, I had another baby. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so it's hard to... Ugh. Emotions exist together, right? Like you can be happy yeah. and sad yeah. at the same time. You could be mm-hmm. worried and excited at the same time. Um, grief and joy are really hard to put in the same space. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my brain just kind of put that grief in a box and, um, and I think it was really needed because for a vanishing twin, um, it doesn't, it's not like you, the the baby is has died and then it's just mm-hmm. never talked about anymore it was every appointment okay. we had to measure both of them exactly um, exactly now, now had you graduated from your re and you were at your obgyn when you got the okay, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what i was wondering yeah too. okay so it was um it was definitely a difficult thing to have to do um to just, you know, it's every appointment, you're so excited to see your baby. You're nervous now because mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at this point, I think, you know, anything can happen at any second. Statistics mean nothing when you're on the wrong side of them. <laughs> so yeah. um, it just, it was nerve wracking. My, um, my blood pressure in the office was always super high. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're just... Worried all the time. Worried. The anxiety is real. <laughs> the anxiety anxiety is really, really high and it's really real. Yeah. Especially um 
just having gone through all those losses before too and then with the infertility and then losing the twin and everything so I definitely get it I know everybody else will get it too and understand and so how was the remainder of your pregnancy then um and did you carry her to full term well so um my uh my pregnancy started right at the beginning of COVID so um my husband was not able to come to the anatomy scan or any scan afterwards Mm -hmm. Uh, we were worried that he wasn't even going to be able to come to the hospital. Um, it's so funny because as an older mom, you get that your geriatric, um, oh advanced gosh, yeah. maternal age. Mm-hmm. You know, they told us how at risk we were and how I had mm-hmm. to have all these extra appointments and all of this stuff. COVID hits and all of a sudden it's like, okay, we'll see you in six weeks. Bye. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> So um, it didn't feel as bad, right? I I started out Mm -hmm. with like, you're so old, you're so dusty and old. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And then ends up being, uh, oh, well, okay, you're fine. So uh, Mm -hmm. it was a little strange. But rest of the pregnancy was was textbook. Um, So the rest of the pregnancy was textbook. I did end up delivering at um, 37 weeks. Uh, with a planned C-section um, because of the extensive surgery that I'd had for mm-hmm. the um, for the fibroids, mm-hmm. um, they were afraid for me to go into labor um, okay. because okay. Uh, of a uterine tear. Yeah, that, that makes, makes sense. Okay. So we delivered at 37 weeks. Um, she actually had some trouble breathing, so she was in the NICU Um the entire time we were at the hospital, mm. um, which was also strange because, of course, because of COVID, um, we couldn't normally just be able to stay with them all the time. Right. Um, yeah. Um, oh, geez. <laughs> Somebody is <laughs> upset. upset. Okay. <laughs> upset. Um, of course, it's the little dog. Um, <laughs> so we couldn't see her all the time. We were only allocated a couple of hours a day to be able to go see her. Um, mm. but she's healthy. Um, I know you know about being in the NICU. Yeah, girl. Mm. Um, so, you know, only four days is, um, a blessing. Um, still long, still, still long. the longest four days <laughs> you will ever experience. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Any time frame is, is really bad. For, you know, moms being separated from babies. Yeah. It's a, it's a nightmare. <laughs> so yeah, a healthy baby. Um, you know, all of that, but in the back of my mind, I am now um, 41. Even one of the mm-hmm. nurses at the hospital, um, when I had her, was like, "Oh, I, you know, I came out to the waiting room to get you, and you know, I was mm-hmm. expecting someone who looks so much older than you, you know." <laughs> it's like, please don't comment on my like, age right now. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not 99. I'm just 41. <laughs> it's like, come on, man, give me a little bit more credit than that. Jeez. They think they're going to see skeletons walking through the door. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> but it was in the back of my mind, if we want to do this again, and we did have four embryos left, that it was going to have mm-hmm. to happen pretty soon. Immediately. Yeah. 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 So I stopped For breastfeeding earlier than I probably would have wanted to just because, okay. you know, I was like, we got to do this again. I got, I don't have time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, so how did hubby feel about moving forward? Was he okay with it or was he scared for you? You know, with the black maternal rate being very high for 
complications during pregnancy and after delivery and during delivery? Um, I think um, he was nervous. He's always nervous um, about, you know, every time I go into surgery. I think after one of the mm -hmm. hysteroscopies, while I was still kind of loopy coming up, I said to him, I didn't want to do this anymore. Um, mm. I don't remember that, but um, I think he's always a little bit nervous about it. I think, again, having my mom be an OBGYN is very helpful. Um, she actually, I'd had a, a, a placenta accreta, which we didn't know okay. about, um, where um, my doctor is a friend of my mother. So she actually called my mom afterwards to update her about what had oh, happened. Good. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so I think he had that as a comfort. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and you know, so thankful that that yeah, is a reality yeah. in our lives. Um, mm -hmm. but I think again, it was, if we don't do it now, we're, we're never going to get the chance to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still seeing your therapist and everything to help prepare you mentally as much as possible? And then also having a new baby too. It's like you're juggling so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Still seeing my therapist, still talking to my therapist about it. Um, I think the new baby almost puts that level of hope or did for me like way back mm -hmm. up because now not only did I know I could get pregnant and keep a pregnancy to term, you know, it was, she was like the shining example of what I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, that mm -hmm. it wasn't hopeless. Um, that it was possible and that my body could do it. And, um, and you have a greater chance of being successful once you've been successful once. Yeah. Um, yeah. According, I mean, again, with studies <laughs> in rounded fertility are few and far between. Um, but there yeah, are, unfortunately, right. Yeah. <laughs> but there is, um, there is data to suggest that that's true. So mm -hmm. I've read the same. Yep. Yep. So I went into it feeling like, okay, we're going to do this um, and it's going to be great. Um, so we did our first transfer um, earlier this year and it mm -hmm. was unsuccessful. Okay. Um, and then um, we did our last transfer uh, of two embryos again in um, October and I did get pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, and it just felt, again, just felt kismet. Um, I just was, I hadn't really thought about going back to having reoccurring losses. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. at the ultrasound, um, you know, no heartbeat. Um, gestational sac was developed, but small. And it was just, mm. um, you know they pull you into that room and say, I'm sorry. And here are your options. And, um, it was that hope was a hard way to fall. You know, it just, it felt like, it felt like it's happening all over again, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then it does. So, um, unfortunately Shelly's last BFP was a miscarriage, uh, right before Thanksgiving. Uh, what is that, a month and a half ago, if that. So um, I, I truly empathize with you and your husband, and I'm so sorry for your loss and your losses, because that would make number six, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, I think all together with the number of embryos, if you count just pregnancy losses and not just mm -hmm. like miscarriages, that puts us at eight. Okay. 
I think. Okay. To carry. And that's a lot to um, have to work through too as well. And so are you guys going to continue to move forward or are you okay right now? Um, I'm doing my one more time. <laughs> so since we don't have any embryos left, um, okay. we're going to do in the new year, we're going to do one more uh, stimulation retrieval. Again, not planning on testing uh, mm-hmm. and just we're going to go with whatever Leaving we got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I've been well, my, looked at my um, we we've done um, some, you know, looking at my uterus already to make sure fibroids mm-hmm. aren't back. Um, because mm-hmm. the reality is, is just because you have them surgically removed does not mean that you won't get any Exactly. More. Exactly. Then buzzards can come right back buzzing. Yeah. Yeah. And so was I going to say, um, don't want to sound like a jerk, yeah. but have you ever considered just stopping at this point? It was definitely on the table. It was a discussion. Again, I'm older um, I'm prone to more complications um, as an African American woman, um, so it's it's on the table. It's I think that's another grieving process you go through is to say mm-hmm. I'm going to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for secondary infertility, there's this idea amongst some people, and and even some of my friends have said this. Um, you know, shouldn't you be happy for the one that you had? Like, why mm-hmm. would you go through all of this again? Um, and I, I think that you can be grateful for what you have and still want to have something else. I'm not mm-hmm. looking to replace my daughter or any of the other pregnancies that I've had mm-hmm. that haven't been successful. Um, I'm looking to have another child. And exactly. this is the avenue for that. But I do realize that, um, you know, there are some significant barriers to that. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, we'll be fine. No matter what happens, Mm -hmm. we're going to be okay. So um, I'm willing to give it another shot. Um, My husband's willing to give it another shot. I'm still actively in therapy to deal with my losses. Um, And I think it's important to say that just because that's my path doesn't mean it's okay for everyone. Right, um, exactly. I, I don't think we say enough, it's okay to stop. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I think that there is a level of toxic positivity that's, you know, if it could work for me, it can work for you. Um, look at, you know, this is my miracle and this could be your miracle too. And really, scientifically, mm-hmm. that's not true. Um, people mm-hmm. are, are people. They're different. Protocols are different. Underlying issues are different. Just because we're put in the box of maybe unexplained infertility or reoccurring losses or um, fibroids doesn't mean that mm-hmm. everyone is this come, starting from the same place. And yeah. um, I think that we need to kind of say to each other, um, in the fertility community, like, yep. it's okay. You mm-hmm. have to make the best decision for you. If you're one more time is three more times, that's, that's the best decision for you. Mm-hmm. If you just want to stop, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if, mm-hmm. if it doesn't feel right, if you want to take a break, 
whatever it is, all of those decisions are good. Take it, take the break, whatever you got to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And breaks don't mean it's forever. Mm -hmm. Or it could be forever, right? I think you have the the right to change your mind at any time, Um, whether Mm, you're 42 or you're Mm -hmm. 25, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. you have the right to change your mind at any point um, during the process. And I think part of, like, I was very public in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted other people to see that, um, you know, some people suffer through this where one in eight numbers could right. actually be one in six. Um, and it was amazing how many people ended up reaching out to me to say that they mm. had some of these issues or they had had a loss that they weren't talking about. Um, and I think it's important because we, as women, there are a lot of things that are taboo that we don't speak about that we should be. Yeah. Had I talked maybe with my friends more about how heavy my periods were, I would have mm-hmm. known that I might have had fibroids. Yeah, maybe somebody would have nudged you. Right. Yeah, or, or if they had experienced it themselves or a family member or something. Right. I would have yeah. known it's not normal. The period that mm-hmm. I was having was not like everyone else's period. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody it's not normal to feel like that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we have these symptoms and because we've had them for so long, we think it's normal. It's not. And now that I think about it, I'm, I I remember friends having like really painful periods as we were in adolescent years. And I'm like, and now I know so much about the medical side of our reproductive system. I'm like, mm, that's sounding a little endometriosis to mm-hmm. me. Like, you know, like, or somebody will tell me something now and I can say, that sounds a little bit like PCOS, you know, and I might ask them if we're close and I'm like, and I asked someone actually like earlier this year and I was right. And I was like, you have PCOS? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm not trying to diagnose you girl. You know, I'm not, doc- not a doctor or anything, but you know, I talked to a lot of people in the fertility space and doctors and specialists. And I was like, that sounds a little bit like PCOS. And she was like, yeah, I do have it. I was diagnosed as a teenager. It's like, all it takes, like you said, is a simple conversation amongst friends and family. Mm-hmm. I think there it's not easy to start these conversations, Mm-mm. right? It's not, it's not. And I think when you go public, too, it, there's this idea that you want to talk about it all the time. So people that I don't know that well will ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to set that boundary to say, like, while I know that I've gone public, doesn't mean that I'm an open book all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes I don't want to talk about it. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Right. It's absolutely, I have not been as public, um, on this second, uh, in the secondary infertility space. Um, and again, that's, it's okay for that too. Right. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. um, I'm not ashamed of it. It doesn't mean it's, um, taboo for me. It just feels right for me and my family right now. Um, not to talk about it you know, on my Instagram or, or something like that. But, um, I, I, we do talk about it with our families. We do talk about it with our close friends. Um, I, I would, I think like to talk about it a little bit more in a, uh, in a social media platform, but again, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not ready right now. So yeah, I have to set yeah. my boundaries. Yeah, that's totally understandable. And hopefully if anybody um, is connected to you within the fertility space, they'll see this episode and then they will um, they will understand a lot more of why you're not sharing right now. Because I feel like when we're on these platforms, whether it's a private Facebook group or on Instagram or something like that, and we share, um, it's almost like 
we become invested in each other's stories. And so we kind of expect somebody to give us an update. And I think <laughs> we have to, like, I have to remind myself. And then I, I always tell everybody else, you know, she may not be ready or something like that or whatever the case may be. And I think for the most part, we do a really good job of it. But it does get to the point where people are, like, really invested in your story and what's happening. And they feel like they deserve an update or are entitled to an update when it's far from the truth. I share what I share when I want to share it, you know. So I love that you said that because that was going to be my last question. And I think you really did a good job of what you want others to know in the community. And the first thing you said was knowing that it's going to be okay. You guys is a manager that you guys use all the time. And then knowing that it's okay to stop or either go forward or whatever that looks like for you. So is there anything else you would like to, for others uh, in the community to know moving forward with their own story as you continually moving forward with yours too? I think if you look for the resources that you need, you're going to find them. I mean, there's mm -hmm. not a ton. And again, I, I thank you for the work that you do um, because representation is important and seeing stories and hearing stories of people who are, um, are like you um, is important. And it took me a while really to find it. I know there's kind of this like stereotypical girl that you see on Instagram or whatever, and that's all I'm going to say, but um, I think if you, if you need it, you'll find it. Um, you just kind of have to comb through some other stuff, but, um, yeah. it's, it's out there. And the more that we share these stories, the more out there it will become. I thank you again, so, so very much for coming on today. I think it's really important for women of color who are choosing career or just life in general um, and enjoying that for the long run and then having children later in life, which I think is, is truly possible with science today, as we already see. It's, you know, you're a prime example of that and myself as well. And um, so I just can't say thank you enough for coming on here especially right now as you're still in the midst of some very deep deep hurts and things so i can't say thank you enough girl this, this was truly an honor to be able to host you today thank you so so much for having me i really appreciate it and thank you friends for tuning into infertility and me today peace and blessings what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.